0: Amen, well good morning church It's great to be in the House of the Lord together once again. Are you ready yes. you're still waiting on amazon aren't you I, I know you're you're hanging out at the front door waiting for the knock or for Alexa to turn yellow on top. Does it do that for you? I thought it was funny this week i had uh, it was yellow on top, and uh you, you have to ask it what are my messages? you know or it 'll stay yellow, and we can 't have it that way it can 't stay yellow forever. so I asked it hey uh, uh, what's her name? Alexa. Yeah, that's her. Uh, I said, "Hey Alexa, what's my messages?" And she says, "Well, your your she named it your coffee, your caribou coffee has arrived." And please know that this time of the year, we won't ever tell anybody what's in your package. <laughs> and I thought, "Well, it's a little late, is it not?" It, you're already told, so uh, I've left it yellow from then on, because I don't want it to yell out through the house what the package is on the front door, but we're probably waiting for packages, Maybe, but maybe you're one of those that, you know, get it all done in, in November or whatever, but some of us don't do that, and uh, we're late, and so it's, it's all right, but it's coming. Uh, Who would have thought 30 years ago that you could order like that, and, and it's coming Monday and Tuesday. It's going to be on our front porch, well, it's supposed to be, so... They'll either get their gift or a nice little card that says it's coming. So, But it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I want to remind you once again that we have two opportunities for our uh, Christmas Eve service. Uh, and that would be at 5 or 6.30 on Tuesday night. So pick one of those. Come on out. Be, uh, we'll have room because last year it got a little heavy and we saw some people kind of walk away. So we're going to make sure that doesn't happen this time. And uh, have room for everybody at one of those services. Unless you all just come to the late one. And then it will just be like always. So, but... Uh, You can choose one of those. I'm sure it'll be great. And if you're like a late family, you'll come to the early, like you get together and do stuff at your house. How many get to open something on on Christmas Eve? I keep wanting to say Thanksgiving. You get to open one on Christmas or all of them? Really? All of them? That is not a Christian household. I don't know what (laughs) what is going on. I'm just kidding. Come on now. (laughs) But sometimes, just navigationally, you just have to do it and then open more on the other day. See, I I made a way for you. But, hey, it's okay. However you do it, it's coming. And uh, what a beautiful time of the year. I just want to say Merry Christmas. Some of you are going to head out and not be back. By the way, it's nice to have the powers with us today. They don't probably like it when I say that, but they're there. And here, we're glad to have you with us. And uh, bless you. You doing well? All right. Well, that's good, man. We're thankful. I'm always thankful. This is a great church. started way back. Started way back, I'm grateful for that, and uh, aren't you grateful that I'm thankful for that? All those that have come before have, have done such a marvelous job. So it's a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord, and uh, I'd like to share from you from the Gospel of Matthew this morning. So let's turn to the first chapter of Matthew, verses 18 through 25, and and uh, we can uh, you can remain seated. We'll just uh, make our way through this scripture, Matthew 1: 18 through 25. You've heard it; you could probably recite it, but but don't run past all the words. Uh, this Great day uh, in the church as we share together. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of J- David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. That's a big deal, by the way. Is that not a big deal? I don't even know what else to say about it. It's a big deal. Conceived in her by the Holy Spirit, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the people of God said, "Oh wow! Yeah, Yeah, all right, all right. Thank you. Now." Now, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it means to us, Lord, that all that's wrapped up in these verses, Lord, make a difference for our lives this day, this fourth Sunday of Advent 2019. We're grateful. We're a grateful and thankful people. Blesses we receive from you in this next few moments, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, G.K. Uh, Chesterton, the noted British poet and theologian, he was a brilliant man who, who could think deep, deep thoughts, and he could express them really well also. And, and he was a man in the late 1800s, early 1900s, who, who laughed at his own jokes, and, and he amused children at his birthday parties by catching um, little uh, baked buns. They'd throw it to him, and he'd catch them in his mouth. And, and so he, he, he amused the kids by doing that. He was a man that wrote a book called The Everlasting Man, which led a young, atheist named C.S. Lewis to become a Christian. He was a man who wrote a novel called The Napoleon of Notting Hill, which inspired Michael Collins to lead a movement for Irish independence. He, he was this man that, who, who wrote an essay in, in, in the illustrated London News that inspired Mohandas Gandhi to lead a movement to end British colonial rule in India. But, but he was not all just those things only. He was also a man who was extremely absent-minded over the years. He'd become quite notorious for being absent-minded and forgetful. He, he would just absolutely forget where he was supposed to be and what he was supposed to be doing. And on one such occasion, uh, uh, he, was, he was lost again. He sent a telegram to his wife which carried these words. Does everybody remember what a telegram is? Tick, 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 tick. tick. Yeah, you're okay, just checking. Are we okay? i'm messing with you (laughs) they didn't they didn't have cell phones you know so he he sent her a telegram and said honey seems i'm lost again presently i'm at market harbor where ought i be (laughs) and as only a spouse could say it she telegraphed back one word in reply she said home (laughs) home is where you ought to be (laughs) You see, in our day today, we're in the midst of this messy world that we live, and, and it's, it, it's going quite well for many people, but it is a messy world. It's still a messy world, no matter what the economy says, no matter what impeachment says, no matter what all these different things say. It's still a very messy, messy world. We live in, in times of war and famine and fear and displacement. When we live in a time where there is drug addiction and alcoholism and debt and despondency, living in a time when life can be very messy and the place that most of us want to retreat to is simply that one word place, that place called home. That's where we want to go. That's where, uh, as we get older, all the kids want to come to. They want to come home. Wherever that may be, they want to be home. You see, in our day, in the midst of this messy world, living in the times of all of that, It's exactly what this passage in the first chapter of Matthew does for us. It simply and aptly brings us back home, back to the the place where we, we begin again, where we see the Christ child. It's home to the real meaning of Christmas. It's home to the most magnificent story in the entire Bible. It's home to our Lord's greatest promise, all his promises. It's home to the reason that we even celebrate Christmas It is Christmas. It's not a happy holiday. It's not a wonderful season. It is Christmas. And what is it that we celebrate? Namely, that this, that God is with us. You see, when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, nothing, not even death, can separate us from God's love, the the, the fact that God is with us. It's what the meaning of Christmas is all about, and it is the promise that the great people of faith that we know of, that we read about in God's Word, they have always claimed it. Just think of it this morning. You know who they are. Think of Moses this morning, caught between Pharaoh and the deep Red Sea, and, 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 uh, and he believed that God was with him. Hopeless situation. He believed that God was with him. And he went forward and he trusted God to open a way. And God did that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all three walked into the fiery furnace. Who would do that? I I think I'd walk up and go, hey, hey, that's kind of, that's hot. I don't know about getting in there. But they walked right up. They walked right into that fiery furnace. Most would have seen it as a very hopeless situation. But they, they, they trusted God that he was with them. And he was. There were four in that fire, not just three. You do remember, don't you? How about David? Small, young David, he stood before Goliath. And how much of a chance with a small little kid with a few smooth stones and a sling. What kind of chance would he get, have against the, the Philistinian warrior? How, how could he possibly win that battle? But David believed that God was with him. David believed that God would, would, would win this, this war for him, and he made all the difference. God made all the difference for David that day. It's interesting to note that when the Gospel of Matthew wanted to capture, when the, the writer wanted to capture the meaning of Christmas, the meaning of this great Christ event, the meaning of Jesus, that a single word was used to describe it. Matthew did a really wise thing uh, that we can kind of just run past and, and, and run past it real quickly and not think much about it. He, he went back into the Old Testament and he pulled out an old word and he cleaned it all off and he used it to convey to us the message of Christmas this day, here so many years later, the word was this, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Isaiah points forward to it in chapter 7 and verse 14 of Isaiah where the word says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. You've always wanted a sign haven't you? Have we not wanted a sign? Lord help me with what I'm getting ready to do what I'm choosing here. And we want a sign. And here it is. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. That's what Jesus is about. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You see the impact of the truth of the Christmas promise. It's incredible. It, it, it goes beyond anything else that we can possibly even experience. When we believe that God is with us, we, when we accept this truth, when we claim it as our own, like that's my truth. It's, it's not just general in the sense it's specific to me and my life. When we accept it as our own, the promise of Emmanuel that God is with us, it will absolutely change our lives completely. Well, amen. I want to take a few minutes this morning to navigate or maybe move us a little closer to to home. Home is where we want to be, amen? Amen. To to that place that we go to when everything around us is messy and and is being challenging in our lives. When our world is coming apart at the seams, God with us, that's our plumb line. That's where things become balanced God with us. I want to share with you this morning three ideas that relate to this awesome promise of God's presence right here with us, right in our lives. I'm sure there are more, but for today, the fourth Sunday of Advent, 2019, we look at just a few of these. First, number one, that God is with us when we're afraid. God God is with us when, when we're afraid. Think of that young couple and all that it meant to them for her to become with child and not by Joseph. And what that was going to mean to their life? How would they navigate this this new reality of their life? how would How would their friends perceive them? What would it look like? You could just go back fifty years. What would it look like then? Or even thirty five years ago? What would it look like uh, uh, to be with child outside of wedlock? What would that mean? And and how would they be shunned? How would they be ignored or maybe gossiped about or looked at? Life had changed. Things became different. And I want you to know this morning that God is with us when we're afraid. Obviously, there'd be fear in their lives, we read it in the passage out of Matthew, you see, we can claim the great Christmas promise of God with us when we are frightened, when said, Oh, I don't know, I'm afraid of nothing, yeah, there are times when we're afraid when we're worried about things Jesus sensed this and he talked a lot about it the words fear, anxious Troubled, fretful, afraid were often in his speech. Fear not, he would say. Fret no more. Be not anxious. Don't be anxious. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. He spoke words like these often because he saw lots of fears and anxieties in the lives of those that he loved. Some years ago, Basil King wrote a book called the conquest of fear he prefaced the book with these words he said this he says when I say that during most of my life I have been the prey of fear I take it that I'm expressing the case of most people so he's saying that he was very fearful most of his life and he thought that most people were kind of like that also he said I cannot remember the time when a dread of one kind or another was not in the air in childhood, it was the fear of going to bed. Later, it was the fear of school. Later, it was the feeling of dismay and the amount of work to be done before night. And then there's the mother afraid for her child and the executive afraid of, for the business and the clerk that's afraid for his job. And then there's the fear of failure and the fear of someone will do us harm and the fear that we may lose what we love most. In one form or another, he says, fear dogs every one of us. It dogs every one of us but then along comes Christmas with the great promise that, that, that just calms our fears and it enables us to celebrate life. Emmanuel, God, is with us. Phyllis Martin was a school teacher in Columbus, Ohio, and one day they were having their school classes together and a great storm uh, built up, and it's the kind that brings tornadoes. And I don't know, is anybody from the Midwest, but uh, when you hear those sirens go off and then they go away because they're on a big circular thing and they come back around and they're kind of ominous and they're all over the city and it's telling you that there's been a sighting. It's not just a possibility, but someone has seen a tornado on the ground and the sirens are going off and this teacher, she was there and she gathered her students and they made their way to the basement and they were really scared and they were crying and, and they were worried and this one teacher... She told her little student next to her, she says, I know that you are scared. I am too, but aren't we forgetting about something? There's a power greater than any storm. God will protect us, she told the little girl. Just say to yourself, God is with us. Then pass the words on to the the person next to you, the child that's next to you, and tell them to pass it on to the kid that's next to them also. And suddenly, that dark and that cold basement became a sacred place as each child in turn whispered to one another in those powerful words, God is with us, God is with us, God is with us. A sense of peace and courage and confidence settled over that little group of little kids and their teachers. Phyllis Martin said, I could hear the wind outside still blowing with such strength that it literally shook our building, but it did not seem to matter now, she said. Inside the, inside, the fears had subsided, and the tears faded away. When the all-clear signal came sometime later, students and staff returned to the classrooms without the usual jostling and the, the talking amongst themselves. She said that through the years, she says, I've remembered those calming words. In times of stress and trouble, I have been able to, and again and again and again, to find release from fear or tension by repeating those calming words, God is with us. You see when we are frightened when we claim that great Christmas promise that's number 1 God is with us. Number 2 we can claim the great Christmas promise of God with us when we are lonely. God is with us when we are lonely. Can you imagine how lonely it might have felt with the new news that came to uh, to the young couple? Can, can you imagine holding that in and What do we do with that? And we can't tell anybody secretly. We may have to put Mary away and what will we do and how lonely it feels when we can't share what's going on in our lives with others. And we should share. We should share. I remember the day that my youngest came to me and said, I'm I'm moving out. And I didn't want her to. I didn't think she was ready to move out. And and I remember I thought, well, um, okay, well, we helped her gather her stuff up and she moved out with a friend somewhere. And I remember our first, I started thinking about that and I started thinking, well, what do we do? And Lynn and I looked at each other like, this wasn't how we had it planned. This wasn't our plan. We kind of planned that, uh, you know, she'd find a great Christian man and stay home and get ready for her wedding and all those kinds of things that parents, you know, we. We're sometimes deluding ourselves a little bit, but not not always. And uh, and I knew that it wasn't going to be a healthy situation. And, and I remember thinking, well, all we can do, Lynn, all we can do is pray. Remember the day. Remember the day that we we handed her to our pastor, and we gave her back to God, and we said, "Thank you, Lord, but she's yours." And so we began to pray. And and we had a group that we used to hang out with. They were called choir and there's about 50 of them and we could have I remember thinking maybe a little bit about well that is kind of kind of bad news for us and I don't know what kind of father I've been if you know she's got to move out and go do her own thing and and she was testing some waters and all that kind of stuff and I remember getting with my choir and I said I just got to tell you something round move it out and you got to help me pray And you don't ask that group to pray for you if you don't want people to pray for you. And they prayed. And every week they'd ask me, What's going on? And I'd say, I don't know yet. And then the next week, How's Randallin? I don't know yet. And it went on for about a month and a half. And then I got a phone call Can we have lunch? So Lynn and I went and picked her up. And she said, can I come home? And I went, and Lynn said, what's that going to look like? (laughs) Because Lynn's stronger than I am with my girls. The prayers of the people had been answered. We didn't have to fear because God was with us. We didn't have to secretly put away the information. Could somebody use that poorly against us? I suppose. But so be it. To not give that to people that we love, that love us, and I know would pray for us, would be a travesty and would be, I'm not sure we'd be where we were today, where we are today, had we not, kept her in the hands of our Lord and brought her to the people that love us the most. And we rejoiced. We moved her home. You see, God's with us when we're lonely. There's lots of lonely people in the world who need desperately to hear the good news of Christmas. This is where many are living today. There may be some right here amongst us that are living that way due to changes in their lives. Perhaps the loss of a loved one. We've had quite a few this last year. Maybe a wayward child. Maybe the downsizing of a company or just remembering back when all of our parents were with us. I've got one of my, my parents. But I remember back when I was younger, we were all family. We spent our Christmas together. The times often seemed simpler and they probably were because we were the kids. I don't think it was simpler for my parents. It was just simpler for us as kids. But for many, this time of the year can really magnify the sense of loneliness. Her name was Margaret Wagen. It was Christmas Eve and she was getting off of her job. She typed for a living. She stood dejectedly in the crowds waiting for the subway to come through there in New York City. And Margaret had worked herself all morning long since all her fellow workers had been given the day off. Many people were around her. They were talking happily about their trips. Their trips home to their families, spending all that time with their families. She had no home just a rented room, no plans, no husband and no children. And in that moment, Margaret had never felt as lonely as she did at that moment. But then suddenly, she heard the the notes, the the flute notes of two flutes that were interweaving their song together down the platform. There were two young girls playing some Christmas carols. And in their serene beauty, they, they looked like angels in disguise. Margaret added her quarter to the pile of change that was right there in their flute cases The train came and went, but she lingered a while and she was fascinated by the people who came forward to drop in the coins and even bills into the the little cases. Most were shabbily dressed, but their faces seemed alight with happiness. These were the poor, the poor people that Christ had greatly loved. On that cold, noisy subway platform, they were joined without knowing one another in the Christmas, the great Christmas feast of love that Margaret had lost sight of in her own lonely introspection. Finally, she heard the girls. They started playing, O little town of Bethlehem. And she found herself remembering the words to one of those verses. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. And and suddenly they're in this bleak subway. You ever been to the subway station in New York? I have too. Uh, It's not a place you want to linger necessarily, but she said everything changed. Margaret described it like this. She says, of course, I had a Christmas feast to go to. The Lord's Supper at church that very evening. Of course I had a home and a family. Our Lord said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Of course I I had a child. The holy child could be born in me every day as I sought to love him above and beyond anything else in my life. She said, I took the next train feeling warm and contented. I knew that those two young strangers with their flutes had given me a magnificent Christmas gift. They had put Christmas back where he belonged, put Christ back where he belonged in my Christmas, she said, in my life and in my heart, and I didn't feel lonely anymore. You see, when we're frightened and when we are lonely, we can claim the Christmas promise of God's presence with us. And that we can join the family of God as we assemble like we will on Tuesday night. As we gather together for worship to worship the Christ child and as we share in his word together, we are in great company. A host of people at any given time may find themselves in a state of melancholy loneliness. But the true reality is that God is with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is with us as we meet together. He is with us as we pray for one another. He is with us as we sacrifice ourselves and our own schedules to love and to serve others that are in need. You see, God is with us when we're afraid and he's with us when we're lonely. But number three, God is with us in our sorrow. In in our sorrow, The hopes and dreams of this young couple, Mary and Joseph, are met at the intersection of their will and God's will. When life takes that turn, that on the surface looks like something other than that they they were wanting or even planning for. You see, we see the nativity scene in its final pose. But this young couple's life changed. They were in real time Leaving out the reality of life-changing events that were occurring. Everything they had hoped for and all that they knew became something other than what they were planning for. But you see, God was with them. God was with them. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph's dream, and the message was, fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about what you think you know, Joseph. You are being prepared for something that God is doing, something great and marvelous. God is preparing something magnificent, something that right now on the surface may seem terrible, something that couldn't possibly make sense, something that could, you could really just like to take a pass on and just go on with your normal life. But Mary and Joseph, this is all God's plan for you. And you see, it's the same for us. It's the same for us when we plan our college majors only to change them in our third year and all the parents went wah, wah, wah. When we put 30 years into a company only to see it fold and to go out of business, it's when our careers don't turn out to be what we were expecting and our dislike for our work is not remedied by our salary. It's when we spend our entire adult lives with someone we love, only to lose them in the twilight of our lives, or even sooner. It's what many feel for many reasons during this time of the year, fear, loneliness, and yes, tremendous sorrow, during this, the most wonderful time of the year. It's when our way is confronted with God's way, the death of a dream, the change in life's circumstances. A few months ago, a friend of mine was preaching his Sunday morning message. He finished his message and he served his last communion with his congregation. And as he came down off the platform, he fell to the ground in front of the sanctuary. Attempts were made to resuscitate him, but were unsuccessful. Having made his last plea of the gospel and having shared in his last communion meal with his flock, he went on to be with Jesus. His wife, Sheila, of 42 years, was shell-shocked, as you can imagine. Her life changed in a moment. In an instant, everything changed. I share with you one of her posts dated on September 25th of this year, one month after her greatest realized loss. She writes this, Working through the grief of losing a spouse is something I never expected to be dealing with right now. The amazing thing in all of this is that God has been here. God has been here and He has shown up and is still working all things together for His glory. He has meticulously woven every detail of our lives for, the, for 42 years together into this one moment. We have lived our lives giving ourselves away for others and asking God to use us. Even though we many times did that in different ways and I was... I wasn't always happy about it, she says. It was still the basis by which we both lived our lives together. Today, Don is sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm sure he's asking him many theological questions, and my prayer is still the same Here I am. Here I stand. Lord, my life is in your hands. Lord, I'm longing to see your desires revealed in me. I give myself away so you can use me. You see, Sheila has experienced a great sorrow. And in the midst of that great sorrow, she has been watching and experiencing how God can work in this new way of life that is emerging. It can be seen in all her posts. She's been very frank with her thoughts on social media. It seems like it would be easy to feel the presence of God when we're on top of our games. Seems like that's when we would feel Him and seemingly sense Him most when all the breaks are going our way. But actually, I do believe the reverse is true. God is never nearer to us than when we're hurting I think there's two reasons for this. It seems that we're more open to God when we're in need. And then second, God is, he's like a loving parent who wants especially to be with his children. He wants to be with us, especially when we're in pain. God just seems to be closer when we're going through such great sorrow. There's another powerful and true story that has both sadness and great truth in it in its message. Maybe you can relate this morning. There was an 85-year-old woman from a very large family, and she had she had a crippling stroke. And as a result, she was unable to speak, unable to walk, and unable to care for her basic needs. And reluctantly, her, her children placed her in a care of a nursing home. She was there for five years, mostly content. They had no indication that She even knew them when they came for visits. One Christmas season, the family was gathered for their Christmas celebration, and they decided to reenact a tradition from their childhood, and they gathered around the piano and began to sing Christmas carols. After they had sung a couple Christmas carols, one of the daughters said, Hey, let's go get Mom. So two of the family members drove to the nursing home and brought Mom back, and they sat her up near the piano, and they all began singing carols again. And when they came to Silent Night, they could not believe what had happened. Their mother, who had not spoken in five years, started singing Silent Night along with them. It was amazing, they said. The daughter telling the story described it like this. She said, Mom was singing too. Her voice was soft, but she was on key and she knew all the words. Everybody was stunned, but they kept on singing. They smiled at her and she nodded to them as they smiled. They sang other carols and they sang them all. It was the moment of incredible warmth and joy and blessing and almost magical beauty for them, even when she couldn't recognize the faces of her own children, even when she seemed incapable of laughter or tears of her own children or tears of the songs of Christmas faith were still alive deep inside of her. Well below that frost line of illness and loss, the Christmas carols survived. Deep within her soul, the songs of Christmas faith were alive and well. Somehow, miraculously, she was able, as the Christmas carol puts it, to repeat the sounding joy. I think I know why. I think it's because each one of us has deep down in our souls an incredible hunger to come home to the good news of Christmas. An incredible hunger to to come to the manger. An incredible hunger to feel and celebrate the redeeming, forgiving, sustaining love of God. An incredible hunger to be in the presence of God. And that is why Christmas is so special, because it reminds us that God indeed is with us. Amen. You see, yes. <laughs> in every circumstance of life, even when we're frightened, when we're lonely, and when we're in sorrow, we can claim the great Christmas promise that's available to us. That's the good news of our Christian faith. God is with us. God's love came down and removed our fear. God's love came down and traded our loneliness for his acceptance and inclusion into the family of God. God's love came down and snatched us from deep sorrows of life and gave to each of us a resounding joy. And people of God, today, may we never stop resounding it. Are you afraid or fearful today? Fear not, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. God came down, God is with us. Are you lonely this Christmas? Two things God is with you. That's one. And number two, you can come to our house. I scared Lynn at first service. <laughs> she looked at me like, they can. God is with us, and if you're lonely, you can come to our house. We have lots of room, and uh, it's not all taken up. And I'm kind of—I'm not kind of—I'm being serious. You can come to Robin Lynn's house. God is with us as we gather. Just let me know, so I can tell Lynn. And if you know Lynn, she'll be happy to have any of you If you want to come, if you need to come If you're lonely, don't hold it in Let it out And know that God is with us If you find yourself in the midst of sorrow this morning, good And I don't mean that I want you to be in pain But God is with us When we're having great sorrow. Closer than any other times when we are hurting. And if you are today, God is with you. Acknowledge him and realize his tremendous presence in your life. Matthew one twenty three says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which translated means God with us. Are you feeling somewhat lost this morning in the abyss of what the holidays bring? Are you afraid, lonely, or in deep sorrow? Don't be ashamed. Just come home. Come to Jesus. Come home and see that God is with us. He is Emmanuel.